it's crazy to think all your things in your life could become a business. Like if, if you think about these things happening to you on purpose, then maybe you might see your life has purpose, not just to move you, like I said, or make you grow, but maybe to help someone else. This is the secret to all of Kajabi and all online learning is you first, you do it yourself. That's great. Being a consultant is great. You know, writing a book is great, but once you can take that knowledge and then share it with someone else, that's where the, it, the scalability is. It just blows up, especially if this skill or task allows someone to make money. We stand today. The business method with the shadow. The business method. The business method podcast. The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars and annual revenue and now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results economies and cultures there's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method Hello, my friends and fellow listeners. I uh, wanted to hop on and give you a short introduction for today's guest, Travis Rosser, co-founder of Kajabi. And if you don't know what Kajabi is, it's a pretty large platform that helps uh, helps entrepreneurs uh, do everything that they need to do, all the software, all the online, all the digital side of things. So putting all the tools together. And Kajabi really has a big name, especially in the online course industry. Um, it is one of the uh, probably, I think, the first and now most popular platform out there for people that are building online courses and need help supporting and growing those. I heard about Travis from um, a fellow friend who is a podcaster, and I thought that'd be really cool to get him on the show. I'm doing courses these days. I know they're difficult. I know people struggle with them. Actually, the first one I did, I thought I could knock out in a few weeks, ended up taking about eight months or so. And I was working with a partner as well. It's just a lot of stuff. So Kajabi helps reduce that time for entrepreneurs, helps uh, them make it more effective and quicker um, when creating their products and services for their businesses. So Travis is a really cool guy, down to earth, uh, very open and transparent and humble. And it likes to share about like what's working for people and what's not working. So if you're out there in the hustle, uh, actually, if you want to start a business, Travis gives some really good suggestions about um, taking that idea, that creative hobby you have, um, whatever you're thinking about and making it into a business and how you can do it. And then if you have a business already, he gets some suggestions as well that could help grow that business quite a bit. So fun interview, Travis Rosser, co-founder of Kajabi. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, nomadx.com. I'm really glad to have these guys on board as our sponsors because not only are they friends, but they're providing a really amazing service for location-independent entrepreneurs and digital nomads around the world that makes our lives so much easier. 
Nomad X is changing the way location independent people are living, working, and traveling. They're making it so easy to land in top digital nomad locations around the world and get set up quickly, specializing in minimum one month rentals for private rooms, private apartments, and co living spaces. And because of the way it's designed to do longer term rentals, on average one to six months, the listings on Nomad X guys tend to be 50% more affordable than Airbnb. B. Take it from somebody who's traveled the world for nine years. I negotiated long-term properties on Airbnb and it is not cheap and it is a big hassle. So it's so great to have something like Nomad X to provide this service for people who want to travel the world longer term, take their laptops, plug into a community, work online while they're seeing the world. It's really a great experience. They're offering these ready-to-live properties fully furnished and equipped with great internet and connections. And you can find them throughout Portugal, Lisbon, Porto, and even on the islands. I spent five months in Lisbon last year in 2019, and I got to hang out with the founders of the company, the employees with the company. I got to hang out with a lot of people that were staying at Nomad X. They provide a community. They provide social interactions. They provide parties. They provide fun things to do on the weekends. They tell you where to go and the sites to see and a really good quality place to stay with great internet. So it's a really good experience. And they're expanding, you guys. They're expanding to Bali in April. So if you want to do your eat, pray, love thing, go to Portugal, stay with Nomad X. Go to Bali, stay with Nomad X. They're really making the location-independent digital nomad lifestyle so much easier and affordable. Get all the details at nomadx.com. That is nomadx.com. And now... Let's jump back into today's podcast. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, welcome back to the podcast today. Um, I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Travis Rosser. After a decade in the software industry, Travis co-founded Kajabi, a knowledge capital platform that has helped Customers redefine themselves as experts, free themselves from the traditional notions of a job, and live the f- f- more fulfilled lives. So it's really an awesome platform for people that want to become entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs out there where they have all these, these pretty much everything in one spot, which, you know, as an entrepreneur, I can really appreciate that. So since 2010, Kajabi has helped more than 10,000. I think it's much more than that now. But oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like 20,000 <laughs> or more now or something. Oh, at least. Yeah. So, so more than 20,000 people launched their own small businesses, which is really impressive. And to this day, these knowledge entrepreneurs have generated more. Now, this says 600 million, but I think it's over a billion now. Right. It, it probably is. It probably yeah. is. Yeah. And he's also the best selling author of the book, You Inc. Travis, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I'm excited to be on here. Yeah. Some of those facts are a little off. Okay. Um, please, please correct me. <laughs> well, I sold Kajabi, my ownership, in 2018. So some mm-hmm. of those facts are just based on when I was there. So yeah, yeah, they're still doing well. Like I said, it probably is over a billion. Who knows? I can't account to that anymore, but I know they're still kicking butt. And there's a lot of Kajabi fans that are probably listening to this that have done extremely well on that app so yeah and you know for entrepreneurs digital entrepreneurs kajabi is a i guess a household name you know there's there's a few th- names that come up and kajabi's you know almost nearly quite often one of them that's awesome and uh yeah and so when i heard i think i heard about heard you on the millionaire interview podcast with uh, austin peak yeah, and that was a cool show, and and I thought, well, let's see if we can get 
uh, Travis on the show. And so I like your background, by the way. That's really cool. It's a good setup. Thank you. Thank you. I have all my U-Ink branding back here. This is my uh, kind of new secret HQ. <laughs> I've been trying to put things back there, which I need to be doing more YouTube videos because it does, it does it look, look pretty good. good. Where, where is your <laughs> HQ located at? So we are in Southern California. Uh, I am, this community is Rancho Santa Margarita. Nobody knows where that is. Um, it's basically 30 minutes south of Disneyland. Oh, fair enough. Everybody knows where that is. <laughs> Everybody knows where that is. <laughs> are, you, yeah. um, are you originally from there, Southern California? No, I actually grew up in Central California, right in the middle of the state in a very small town of like 11,000 people. Um, it's actually a farming community. Um, in fact, the San Joaquin Valley is the richest farmland in the United States. Wow. Like trillions and trillions of dollars comes out of there. Wow. So I grew up in that world of farming and my dad was a football and baseball coach, tiny little town where it's just like the movie Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Everybody closed down shop and uh, we would go to the football game. So, yeah, well, I, I grew up in Missouri and, and also have an ag background. My, uh, oh, nice. my mom's family were farmers and I majored in agricultural business and, oh, and, uh, wanted, that's awesome. Yeah, I wanted to be a farmer to, when I grew up and then I got into this internet business thing and it all went out the window. <laughs> nice. I started in the agri business. Like I went to junior college and I thought that was going to be me too. Yeah. Because I just, that's all I knew was farming and fruit and yeah. vineyards and, Seemed like the way to go. <laughs> Where was your split off point? Like, I'm curious. Oh, man, there's a lot of them. Uh, one of them was I flunked out of college the first time. Um, I was in junior college for so long, literally three years. And it's funny, I used to call it egg business. And they thought I meant like eggs, like selling eggs. Yeah, yeah. Like it depends eggs. on the accent, right? <laughs> like your eggs. So, yeah, yeah. So I was going to go into agricultural business. I thought for sure. I stayed there so long that my counselor's like, you have enough units to have an AA degree, like an associate's degree. I'm like, okay. And so then I went to Fresno state after that and I joined a fraternity and started having way too much fun. And next thing you know, I have a 1.7 GPA and I'm completely flunked out of school. And that was probably the biggest pivot. Cause at that point I'm like, all right, I'm not going to go to school. I got like a job at Costco and worked at some summer camps. And then eventually I decided to go back to school down here in Southern California and I thought I was going to play football. I had this whole plan and it's a long story, but my, um, my grades, when they transferred, they weren't correct. And actually this is, I've never shared this, this part on a podcast. There was another Travis roster at my school, Azusa Pacific, small college down here. And he went to summer school and I was in the athletic office at the end of summer. My first season I was going to start, I had already done spring football and the athletic secretary is like, Hey, you need to sign this. Cause thank God you took this biology class this summer because you didn't have enough units to transfer it in. And I'm like, that's not me. And, and she's like, are you serious? And um, I'm like, it's not, it's not my, I was at a summer camp. I was at Hume Lake all year working. And so that was the day football ended and probably business began because I dove into business school at that point. So, okay. How funny, it's funny how little <laughs> small things point you in different directions. What fraternity were you in? If you don't, if you don't mind sharing, I was in Sigma Phi Epsilon. Okay. I was, so I was a SIG up and I, yeah. I, I never really finished much of it though. Cause once I flunked out, I was over it. Yeah. So, so this is interesting cause we have similar ag backgrounds. Um, but I know one of your favorite books or one of one book that highly impacted you, it actually highly impacted me also 
when I was in university studying agriculture and like blew my mind to the possibilities and turned me on to business. Yeah. And I was rich dad, poor dad. Oh, and yeah. I remember, yeah, I was in grad school and I read that book and I thought, oh, oh my God, like I don't, you know, I, I think I wanted to be an ag because the freedom of farming and whatever, you know, the freedom to make your own yeah. choices. And then I realized, oh my, I could buy storage units and rental properties and live anywhere and kind of do that thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, that book blew my mind. Um, because just like Robert Kiyosaki, I had the poor dad. My dad was a teacher. We had a small farm. He was also a football coach. And he was very small, you know, get paid by the government, work, work. And then I read that book. For me, I was actually in a cubicle in a pretty good job starting to build software around 2000-ish, probably 2002, 2003, I might have read that book. I don't remember exactly. It was on Audible. Because when Audible came out, I was addicted. Man, I had the full subscription. The first year, I read five books every single month, 60 books. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad completely shifted how I thought. Like. I started going back to the farming days and seeing what they were doing by planting a crop and then marketing it and then finding new avenues to sell it. And my brain just kept exploding it, it to this day. I still love that book. I agree. I think it's one of the, the more pivotal books and it's changed so many people's lives, you know, I think yeah. so. So, um, so we know you had, you know, small town, California, uh, ag background, and then you got into the tech industry and you were actually working, um, nine to five in it with a tech company, right? Oh, for, yeah. for how many years was it? Oh, quite a while. I started in technology in 1998 and then I launched Kajabi in 2009. And most of the time I was in a cubicle during that part of my career. Sometimes I did consulting and I would work from home for a couple of years at a time. Um, and I tried all kinds of small businesses online and, you know, selling things, selling things on eBay. Um, one of my first like digital things I did was uh, reselling websites on eBay, which is so common. Now you can do it for like probably 10 bucks. But back then I would go to this website called hotscripts.com. I would find a cool script that did like a photo rating or something that I'd install it and put, put my MySQL in there. Then I'd go on the front end and make it look really nice and buy some cool.com. And then I'd sell it for like 700 bucks on eBay. And that was probably three hours of work on the weekend. So I'd do, do a couple of those a weekend and make a couple extra thousand bucks. It was, it was so fun. I loved that kind of stuff. But Nice. Yeah. Did you have any, any other like side gigs that, that started to pan out or anything that, that, yeah, I mean, I got into the whole, um, SEO game where I would help local businesses do their SEO, especially at the beginning because everybody was set up incorrectly. So you could come in and change their meta tags and their SEO titles and everything. So I do, did that for a long time. Um, building websites used to be my main gig. I mean, when I first built Kajabi, it took me 10 years to build up my like side hustle business. And it took me six months of saying no to finally stop. So nobody called me anymore to build a website. But yeah, those were some of my main ones. I mean, even back to when I was a kid, I would pick the oranges off of our farm and then take them to the farmer's market. And I remember back then I learned, don't try to sell oranges in the community where the oranges are growing because nobody wants them. There's too many of them. And so we would drive like super far either down here to LA or we would go to the coast and that always seemed to work. Like if you could go to a place where the supply wasn't as big, yeah. the teenager, I was figuring that stuff out <laughs> trial and error. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And then yep. and tell us about the, the found the creation of Kajabi. Like, uh, um, where you guys met and, and yeah. how the ideas started to come about. Yeah. So I was friends with Kenny since the beginning of my software career back in 98, 99, we were friends for shoot 
you know, over, over a decade before we started the thing. And then, um, we just like always had these dreams, especially after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I was like, okay, I want to build something that can actually start making me money. And I remember I, I would go to these conferences. In fact, the first conference I went to was in 2004. It was Derek Gale, who was uh, Corey Ruddle's partner. And Corey Ruddle's like old school internet marketing. He's, you're talking like 15 years ago, he was the internet marketer. And I used to think it was a big scam. I would get these emails about what they were making, what they were doing. And then Corey died in a, like a car racing accident. And so there was a, a newspaper article about him here in the Orange County Register. I'm like, this guy was a real person. And so I'm like, I'm going to go to the next conference and really learn more about this. So I, the, Derek Gale like took over the company and he did his first conference in Newport Beach in 2004. And when I was at that conference, I saw a guy up on stage named Jermaine Griggs who owns hereandplay.com. And Jermaine was making so much money. I was blown away by the fact that this kid from the hood of Long Beach, who's now 19, is basically a millionaire. And I was like, this is crazy. At the same event, there was a guy teaching how to play Madden football and making $70,000 a month. And I'm like, oh, man, this is incredible. And I think that's what planted the seed that I wanted to find a way to make money online. And I think digital is incredible because you don't have to ship it. Like... I've tried e-commerce business. I've tried so many, like selling things on eBay, like I said, which is fun and lucrative, but it's time consuming and I'm kind of lazy. So I like to find businesses that are fun and don't take too much effort. And that was kind of when the, the Kajabi idea started you know, kind of coming to fruition. I mean, Kenny and I had ideas for years. We tried, we tried to build an online tuxedo shop. We did a lot of consulting together. Um, we even built this Twitter scavenger hunt game. It was called Find That Tweet. And it was basically, you could pick a tweet within the Twitter universe. And back then the database is not as fast as it is now. And you could put clues for what that tweet was. And then people could try to find it. And there was like a prize. And that was probably our last little side project we did. In fact, in fact our, their CTO uh, was Kenny's college roommate, Brendan Murphy. He won it twice in a row. And the second time he won it because he found a way to hack it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it's funny how he became the CTO of the company, which is yeah. just great how that, that transitioned. But it was just the journey of sitting in a cubicle. I mean, I, I hated it. I hated sitting in a cubicle. I hated sitting in traffic. I mean, I imagine someone listening to this while they're in their car. You know, that was me listening to Rich Dad, Poor Dad and thinking there's got to be a better way. There has to be something else. And over, you know, almost a decade of searching for that thing. That's when the Kajabi idea, finally, the stars align, the opportunity happened. Right. And, and where did, where was the initial idea? where did the initial idea come from? Yeah. So the, the first idea came because as Kenny and I were hustling and trying to make money on the side, I mean, we tried so many things and one of them was Kenny had invented, I don't even know if he invented it. I think he saw a neighbor do it, but it was a car wash for your kids' bikes and it was made out of PVC pipe and sprinkler heads and you'd plug it into the hose and it was like a big frame and they would drive down the middle and it would spray water and we called it crazy spray. And we're like, all right, we're going to go to home Depot, buy all the parts and we're going to ship this thing and sell it for like 30 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever. And then we realized this is a lot of work. <laughs> this is too much work. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and I always do that. I always think about, you know, return on investment. If I put this much time into this, how much am I going to make? Is it worth it? And, and, and then we decided, well, what if we just showed people how to do this? 
So we went and we shot videos on what to buy. We had like the shopping list. We had all the instructions and then we were going to put it on the internet. And back then the best solution was probably wishlist, wishlist, whatever member, whatever they call it, where you plug it into WordPress and it was hard to do. Like here we are with two guys, 10 years in technology. We built all these apps and we cannot figure out how to plug this thing in. It took, it took a whole weekend just to get it to work. Then it finally works. It starts making money, but it always stuck in my head. Like that process was difficult and maybe my laziness causes me to try to find solutions. So things are easier. That's probably my superpower is the ability to take complexity and make it easier. And that, that, that was a mission we were on was how could we take this concept of selling digital content and make it easier and allow a person to not think about technology anymore because we're tech people, but someone who's, you know, teaching calligraphy on the internet is not techie at all. So once you start to get things on online, you have to start becoming a techie and you forget why you were doing it in the first place. And I think that was the goal was to remove that barrier. So you could take your, your knowledge, your passion, and instantly, and I think now, man, you can do it quickly on Kajabi. The, new, the newest version of Kajabi is great. It's very simple, and it, it does it pretty well. It's like you're building the shovels for the uh, for the entrepreneurs to buy because, you know, it, it's so true. And I've been through this so many times, and I still like struggle with it. You know, there's some new software that you need, and then you got to figure out how to run it on your own. If you're a small business, you know, entrepreneur, you don't have the capital to to hire somebody. And if you can go to one place and have it all there, and yeah. have the support to work people through it, like it's it's such a a relief for these entrepreneurs out there for sure. Yeah, it really opens new possibilities for people that would never have done it yeah because especially back then it was all about you had to get like an authorized.net and a certificate and an ssl and a merchant account yeah. and then a bank account and then once you sold this item you might ship them dvds which mean you had to make the dvds and brand them and ship them and manage that it was so complicated it just seems so archaic yes and now obviously there's so many i mean we were pretty much the first one. Then you have, you know, you have Teachable, you have Udemy, you have Skillshare, all these, you have uh, the masterclass, like where it's like its own broadcast network of, of knowledge. I mean, there's so many things and it's, that's the future. I was just thinking about this, uh, this morning I was driving and I'm thinking, do I really want my kids to go to college? Like I do, but I don't want them to go to college and then figure out what they're going to do while they're at college. That's expensive. <laughs> I want them to go get a job maybe for a while. And, and, but I think about like, I spent so much money on school and then I flunked out and I bounced around <laughs> and then I figured out what I wanted to do. Yeah. And it, but with the internet, if you can learn things on your own, mm -hmm. YouTube is incredible. One of our programmers was from Brazil. He learned how to speak English through the internet and he learned how to code through the internet. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. It's incredible. And it makes our online world like a global community, you know? It's totally. Like, yeah, I think the, the biggest job market out there is online jobs. And it's an economy in itself that I think a lot of people just don't think of because you think of, oh, the economy's in the U.S. or the economy's in this city. Or you've got an online internet economy like that's fluctuating and things are happening. And now we yes. even got our own currency, you know? And so, yeah. so it's existing. Eventually, we're going to have to have some some sort of equal regulation, I think all around it, but we'll see, you know, yeah. that's, that's some kind of standard. Yeah. Of some kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it really is about a global, um, a global community, which is very generic. This is not a new concept, but if you really think about it, we live in the U S and we have had, um, 
we've had skills and we've had abilities and then other parts of the country have skills and abilities, but now it's really, no matter where you are, it doesn't matter. Cause I, I know I'm working on some new apps and I, ha I have a team in Bangladesh. I have a team in Serbia and that is really where the future is. And maybe that's the future of education is learning in multiple places without having to go to one building, one university and pay one giant sum maybe you're going to learn all over the place in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be really interesting to see because so many people who, who were we talking to recently? Um, John Crestani. Do you know him? Have you heard of him? Mm -mm. He's no. a, he's a really big affiliate entrepreneur and he was saying the same thing. He was like, I'm focused on education, online education, online education, online yes. education, because the more online education I can put out there today, 10 years, 20 years down the line, I'm going to be setting myself up and everybody else as the online education person. And people are going to continue to go for business is what he's talking yeah. referring to. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that unfortunately, even the universities are still behind because they're still trying to produce content the same way they do classes. But if you look at Kajabi, it was the topic could have been anything. I mean, it could have been literally anything. And that was kind of why I wrote the book because I wanted to break down what people were teaching, how they did it, who they were. And I realized anything you experience, if you overcome it or you achieve it or you love doing it or you get paid for it, People want to learn about it. And, and there's so many great like, things that people taught from like horse ballet to um, calligraphy. The lady, literally, like a group of ladies made over a million dollars teaching calligraphy. That's amazing. It's, it's, crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so tell us about like, so you left the company, I think, um, 2018, right? 2018, yeah. When yep. you were at 10,000, 10,000 and 600, uh, 600 yeah, and million. Those in numbers aren't completely accurate. I'm sure it was even at that point, probably more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were some of the, so you said like a lady, uh, ladies that were teaching calligraphy made a million dollars through the platform, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, where were some of the other businesses that were succeeding from using Kajabi and, and oh, yeah. some of the, some of the, maybe more, uh, some of the stories that stood out? Yeah. I mean, some of the ones for the book from the book too are really good. Like one of them is, um, this lady has the doodle Academy and she basically would doodle in business meetings. And just like I did when I took notes, like literally when I took notes when I was in college, there wasn't very many words. I'm actually grabbing my journal. It was literally like just, you know, like pictures and arrows and diagrams. So she would do that in business meetings. And then one day her boss is looking over her shoulder and he's like, hey, can we use that in the next presentation? And she's like, sure. So she put it in the next presentation and they literally killed it on the next one because it visually like made sense. Then he's like, can you help us with more of that? He, she basically created a job for herself. She became a visual communicator within her company. And then she learned a whole system about how to communicate, how to influence, how to get people to make decisions just by using imagery. Wow. And so she, instead of continuing, which is, this is the secret to all of Kajabi and all online learning is you first, you do it yourself. That's great. Being a consultant is great. You know, writing a book is great, but once you can take that knowledge and then share it with someone else, that's where the, it, the scalability is, it just blows up, especially if this skill or task allows someone to make money. It's huge. So she created the Doodle Academy. She taught people how to have this skill. And then she taught them how to go get gigs and how to find clients and how to build everything. Like it's just, it's genius. Mm -hmm. How cool. And I love those stories. There, there's, there's so many. There's the guy who is a, a painter. He paints houses and he's from Canada. And he literally was really good at doing paint matching, you know, like 
maybe it was a gray with a blue or together, yeah. green, you know, yeah, a green with the black or whatever it was, but he was really good at it. So instead of doing like most YouTube videos, if you search, you know, paint matching or color schemes, you're going to find a lot of do it yourself, which is great. That's genius. But what he did was he did do it yourself, like learn how to do this as a paint contractor and how to use it as an upsell. So now there's paint contractors all over the world that watch his videos and learn how to be good at colors and how you can make more money in your business by doing that skill. And I think that's probably the biggest shift is really learning about how to turn what you know into a business, like turn it into something. Like I know a lot of the things I was looking at some of the interview questions about, you know, becoming an influencer. And I love that everybody's influencers. It's great. But what if you became an influencer for your own thing? like your own business or your own course or your own, you know, workshop, like that's where the money is massive and you don't need the same crazy numbers to, you know, monetize. I know my wife has her, this uh, podcast called fearless female and she's always cause it keeps growing. She's always talking about monetizing it. And, and, I, and I'm always telling her the real monetization is in the branding for yourself and what you're going to do. It's not just, you know, if a, if some brand wants to sponsor, which is great, but when you can start learning how to monetize yourself and your knowledge, the sky is really the limit yeah. and you can do, you can do so much and with not that much effort. What are, what are some suggestions? Cause I, as you're talking about that, I know a lot of people that do have that, these creative talents and mm -hmm. they may be doing it just as a hobby or, um, you know, trying to, maybe they're thinking about starting a business or maybe they can't cause they're, you know, yeah. working a job or, or maybe they have started in a couple of years in. I know a lot of people that are just trying to get that creative part um, that hobby out and, and, and yeah. so what are some suggestions for those type of folks? Cause I've never seen a lot of, I know exactly what they're going through. Cause like we talked about it, you know, I was in that cubicle and I always wanted this thing beyond like, how could I turn this thing into something bigger? And the biggest thing is leverage. Like how can you turn what you know and affect a lot of people? And I gave some examples of how you're helping people and then you're tying in the component of helping them with their business. That's really powerful. So if the thing you're working on, if you can find an angle where by learning this thing, the thing that you, you know, like for example, one of them is the guy who was really good at using Microsoft Excel and he, he did all, all the different little, you know, fractions and calculations and stuff in Excel. And then he learned a way to then sell that to people in his same industry, which then made their job faster and easier. So if you're solving a problem, it's really about taking what you know and learning how to, to turn it into a business. And things like my book can show you how to do it. YouTube can show you how to do it. But another good example is, is there people that are interested in this thing that you love? Whether it's flying drones or whether it's, you know, losing body fat by only drinking milk or whatever, which that's a dumb example. But it's really <laughs> like, you know, there's, about, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's these tiny little niches. Okay, so are people interested in that? That's step one. Step two is, could you build a product? What would the product be? Would it be a checklist? Would it be a, a workshop? Would it be an online course? Would it be one-on-one -on -one coaching? You know, what would that product be? And you kind of imagine, well, if, if I was going to hire someone to do this or experience this or, you know, watch these drone videos on how to fly, how would I want to consume it? So can you make a product? And then the third thing is, is there a profit? Would people pay you for it? Because a lot of people don't think about the fact, yeah, nobody's actually going to pay for that. Nobody yeah. wants to learn about like cat meditation. Actually, that they might want to know that one. That, that, that might be a good one. <laughs> that might be a thing. But that's my point is go through all the steps. Don't just um, put your head down and work. Don't just guess. 
like test some things out. Like you can test one-on-one. You can literally start working. And that's something that I, I've shifted a lot of my focus was the book was all about online education, building a course, which is great. But for some of you listening, like that's overwhelming. Can you imagine building a course right now? You have to learn how to outline your content. You have to learn about equipment and how to shoot. You have to learn about lighting and sound. You have to you know, learn about all these things, which is great. And there's systems like Kadabi. But what if you could take the thing you know and start working with someone one-on-one? Right. And like through like a basic coaching, whatever it might be. It, it might be like, for example, I pay a, a, a professional hockey coach to help my son learn more about hockey. You know, you might be paying someone to teach you how to save money on your taxes. So maybe the first step is could you help someone one-on-one? Maybe it's through Zoom like we're doing right now. Maybe it's meeting them for coffee. Could you do that? If you could do that, that's the first step because then you know there's a demand. And if you know there's like a payoff where it helps their business or it helps their life, they're, they're going to sign up for that. What would you say, and, and I know this is a hard question, but the average time or learning curve it would take if somebody has you know, a creative hobby and they're, they're wanting to to start something and, and, and go through that process? The first thing I would say is make sure you love it because if you don't love whatever this piece of content or the sphere of influence you're going to create, first of all, it'll show and you won't be motivated. So if you love it, time isn't going to matter as much, but you do need to give yourself time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. All the stories I have, very few of them are overnight. Um, most of them, the, the longest gap of not finding success is the fact they didn't get started. I mean, literally, it, it's really about getting started somewhere and, and, and saying, okay, here's what I'm going to start teaching. Here's what I'm going to start coaching with. Here's what I'm going to start solving and just get moving in any capacity. I mean, some people are so good at this stuff. They learn it right away. Some people take a while. And I think the biggest thing is don't compare to other people. You do not have to be like everybody else. You might be doing audio only. You might be doing video. Like I said, you might be doing in-person at first. And it's really just make a point to get started. Maybe even set time aside. Because that was something I did. I, I read the, the Gary Vee book, um, Crushing It, like way back. Mm-hmm, I remember. And he has the whole line in there. He's like, quit effing watching Lost. You know, and Lost was <laughs> huge back then. And his whole point was, don't spend your whole evening watching TV. Like, And I really thought about that. Like I watch a lot of TV. I was like, dang, I shouldn't be doing this. It's really about, you still got a day job. Okay. You come home, you see your family, you see your kids for a little bit. And then when they go to bed, you go to work. I mean, if you devoted every single evening for the next month or the next 90 days, how much progress would you have? We built Kajabi doing that. I had a full-time job. Kenny had a full-time job. Every night we worked. Sometimes we worked all night. And it was really about, we, there was so much drive and passion. That's why passion is huge. Because when you can see the whole picture in your mind before you get there, you'll, you'll work on it all night. You won't be tired. Absolutely. In fact, if you're tired while you're working on it, maybe that's not the thing you should work on. And that, that's okay. <laughs> if it makes like, you it's tired. Okay. Yeah. If it yeah. makes you tired and doesn't give you energy, yes. then maybe it's something else. Like, I think people sometimes force themselves to be in niches that don't make any sense. Absolutely. I've seen that time and time again where I'm like, I'm not sure why you're wanting to stay in that niche because it doesn't make you happy. And if it doesn't make you feel great doing it, you should not be doing it. Yeah. You'll know, you'll know if you're on 
the right path if you can work on something and it's the time just flies by that's right like i'm just i feel so grateful to to do something i really love because i'll put out like 10 12 hours of work and i'm just like what happened to my life the past four weeks (laughs) like i know i got a lot of stuff done but you know like I was just in the zone the whole time, you know, so that's, that's a good time. So let's talk about your, uh, well, let's talk about the exit and then we'll go into the book a little okay. bit. Uh, so you exited in 2018 and at that time you were around 600 million in uh, helping entrepreneurs grow their business, uh, the revenue mm-hmm. for their businesses. And, um, was that a hard, a hard split for you? Cause that was eight years yeah. plus a partnership yeah, for, sure. for years and years before that, right? It, it was very hard. I've done a couple interviews on it. I did a interview on it with Andrew Warner on Mixergy about how depression, you know, affects entrepreneurs. And for me, it was almost like a death. I mean, moving on, it has been difficult. It was obvious. It was time for myself or Kenny to move on. And it just worked out that I was the one that was, was, was able to move on, but no, it was difficult. And I actually, I've been going to a lot of Tony Robbins stuff and I learned why it was so hard on me. And because my two driving factors in life used to be significance and certainty. And there was so much certainty with Kajabi because it made good money every single month. And the significance was incredible. I mean, people would recognize me and they would say how much Kajabi helped them. And then when those two things were gone, like I went through major depression, you know, even though I was able to sell and make, you know, decent money and have some money put away, I was like, what do I do now? Like I launched the book after um, selling Kajabi and I didn't realize until I was speaking on stage And every time I speak or talk about this book, everybody runs and signs up for Kajabi and good for them. But it started making me depressed because I'm like, here I am telling the story that I'm no longer part of. And it like hit me like right there, like, oh crap. Like I felt like it's this big cruise liner at night and I fell off the back and it's just floating away. (laughs) The, The whole mission, the whole story without me. And for months that drove me crazy. And then probably last spring and through the summer, I finally saw like for me, the next chapter, because in the book, I tell my whole story, kind of like we talked today, growing up on a farm all the way to working in a cubicle to getting this crazy idea that became, you know, this app. But now I see what the next chapter is for me. And like I just said earlier, it really, it's about not just a course, it's this one-on-one. And so I'm digging into the, the coaching space right now and finding the same gaps, the same frustrations, the same things that I'm too lazy to do and turn that into a new platform. Yeah. That's actually one thing that I um, tell the people that I work with a lot of our clients is if you're building a business uh, and you're out there and you're listening, you're building away and you're devoting all of your um, self reality around that business. Uh, then when you sell or exit or the business crashes that like you, like happened to you, depression can sink in very easily yeah. a feeling of lost, uh, being lost, not knowing where to go. And I always say like, pick up another hobby that gives you self-confidence and, and, a uh, re- uh, reality of yourself oh, very while true. Building, building a business. And so like, maybe it's playing a guitar, maybe it's, uh, uh, the family, maybe it's, you know, uh, martial arts or something like that. So if a business crashes or you sell it and you have nothing, you still have, Oh, I'm a purple belt in jujitsu, or I'm, you know, still have the kids in the family and, and yeah. we're going to church or something like that, you know, on a regular basis. It keeps, yeah. Um, because that happens so many. And I saw that, um, I saw that when I was I was living in Phoenix during the, the recession, and so many people were making money in the real estate and the mortgage business. And then yeah. when it crashed, multimillionaires lost money like overnight. They lost their homes, you know, big mansions. And and I saw people 
would commit suicide, you know? And it was like, mm. well, you have other stuff besides your business, you know, or the money and, and, but they didn't, they didn't see that in yeah. their minds. So go ahead. No, Cause you're so entrenched into that. You're so entrenched into that thought. Like they had this, they were going there and now it's gone. And you know, for me, it was really about growth. Like as Kajabi, well, first Kajabi was just Kenny and I just two friends. Hey, let's build this thing. But you know, as it kept growing, as we kept hiring and we kept getting bigger and bigger, it was like, you know, what are our roles? And I think for me, I was really much like the whole lobster concept. I had grown as much as I could in the shell that I was in. And you know, I felt the uncomfort and like, what should I do? And it, it, for me, it probably took me exiting to allow me to see what's next. So this is kind of generic, but it's about going towards the pain, like the whole, and if you go through recovery or whatever, they talk about pain is the pathway to peace. And sometimes you have to go towards that most painful thing in your life to find that peace because I know that struggle and the pain. And man, I thought about suicide all the time because I was like, the significance is gone. The certainty has gone. Um, what do I do? Like, what am, what am I worth to this world anymore? And it's really about sometimes you have to go into those dark spots of your life so that you can become that next version of yourself, whatever it is, because guy in a, from a small farm, you know, working a cubicle and then building this multi-million dollar operation. There's always these growths. If you keep trying to improve yourself, that means you're, you're constantly putting yourself out of your comfort zone. I remember I used to always say my comfort zone is like on another continent at this point, because I was so far out of my comfort zone. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have to get okay with that. Yeah. You have to be okay with that uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. Very true. So let's dive into the book. Um, and one of the things that I, I was reading about the book uh, that stood out is, well, we're talking about it now, professional experience, passions, problems, and pain, the four P's yeah. that really help you create the future uh, that you love. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, at Kajabi, I was always trying to figure out how are people using um, Kajabi? In fact, when we first launched, we launched in 2010. And it was crazy. The launch was like all over the place. And then by January, 2011, we ran a survey, like, how are you using Kajabi? <laughs> and then we got all these things back. And I was like, this is incredible. Like that was when I learned about the horse ballet. That's when uh, there was a lady teaching how to play an, an Irish drum. There was a guy teaching how to be a blacksmith, how to fly helicopters. Like there were so many things. I was like, this is incredible. But then it was like for years, we couldn't define what Kajabi did besides, you know, oh, you're a teacher, you're an expert, you're whatever. And, and then I was like, well, wait a minute, like, how are they actually doing it? And I had a whole time period at Kajabi where I got to interview all the Kajabi heroes. Like if we could get a hold of them and they, cause to be a Kajabi hero, you need to make a thousand bucks. And so I would contact as many as I could and get them just like this on interviews and hear their stories. And so I started kind of narrowing it down. Like what's, the common denominator of all of these topics and all these subjects. And for those of you listening, like really think about this. Like if you have paper, like write this down, there's four P's that can define how I look at knowledge. The first one is profession. That one's pretty simple. Cause you're probably doing it right now. Your profession is what are you getting paid for? You know, what are you good at? Um, you know, whether you're an accountant or a salesman or a lifeguard or a fireman, whatever it is, a Navy SEAL, like there was a guy that taught how to train like a Navy SEAL within Kajabi. And it's, what is your profession? But in the book, I go even deeper. It's not just your profession. It's the thing you're good at while you're at work. Like what does everybody always ask you to help with? Is it fixing the printer? Is it building Excel spreadsheets? Is it planning the party events, you know, for Christmas? Like 
think about the thing that gets you excited and people are like, wow, you're good at that. If you can find that thing in the professional zone, you might find a side business. I mean, first of all, you probably could find a side business consulting or coaching one-on-one right now, but then in the future, you might be able to turn this into online knowledge that works all the time, 24 hours a day. And that, that one's awesome. But the next one is passion. Passion is something that you do for fun. You would literally pay money to do it. Like things like golf and surfing and my, my youngest son plays ice hockey. Um, you know, or it's maybe it's flying drones or traveling. Like this is the thing that is like really fun for you. And a lot of people obviously are monetizing this people, how to play golf. Um, you know, like I said, how to fly a helicopter. That was a pretty cool one. Um, there's so many out there that you would be surprised can monetize. And I think when you get in passion, it gets a little tricky on learning how to monetize that. That's why I gave that example of people, product, and will they pay you money? Like if you can think about that within that passion, you might have a business there. The next two, I'll kind of combine them together, but it's the first one is problems. It's things you've been through, getting in debt, um, going through a divorce. Like I went through a divorce and I saw many people out there to try to get some wisdom and some knowledge on how to deal with that. Uh, maybe it's too many traffic tickets or I mean your taxes, who knows? There's so many things that are problems in our lives and a lot of you have solved them for yourself. What you don't realize, and this is why I call the book you Inc is that makes you a business because you solved it. And there are people out there that want to hear from your perspective. How did you do it? I mean, I go on YouTube all the time. How do I do this? How do I fix this? How do I build this? And when you can realize what if you started doing that, you would be shocked at the ways you could help people through their problems. And the cool thing about helping someone with a problem is you get that you know, satisfaction of helping them and you're making money. Talk about passion. That might become your, your new passion is having a business like this. And then the other one is pain. Uh, the last one is pain. And this is could be physical pain. Um, there's a guy in the book, he has a thing called got ROM. It's like range of motion. And he hurt his back when he was 23 doing like CrossFit. And at 23, they're like, you going to have to have surgery. And he's like, no, I'm only 23. I don't want to do that. He couldn't even get out of bed, but he became obsessed with learning how to heal his back. And so he did what a lot of us do. Like I said, go to YouTube, learn about it, learn about it. We've all done this. We've gone to Dr. Google and we've been like, all right, Google, what's wrong with me? And you learn your own remedies sometimes. And he learned how to use stretching and yoga and natural remedies to heal his back completely. And so he became an expert at range of motion. And there's a lot of examples too of people losing their voice, whether like an opera singer or just, you know, a singer in general and learning how to heal their vocals people pay money for that kind of stuff. So it's crazy to think all your things in your life could become a business. Like if you think about these things happening to you on purpose, then maybe you might see your life has purpose. Like maybe the bad stuff happened for a reason, not just to move you, like I said, or make you grow, but maybe to help someone else. Maybe that's the whole reason why we go through the things we go through. I, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually have a client who lost his voice from doing too many coaching calls. And so mm. he, he YouTubed a video on how to like get his voice back and breathing through a straw or something oh, like wow. that. Like, and, and there he found it, you know, and he's like, yeah, he yeah. killed himself. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool how you can learn to fix yourself. And then all of a sudden, you know, have this tool you can share with other people.
So one thing that that, that I would like uh, to ask you that has come up at, at other entrepreneur conferences that I have been at, and um, some people say or are worried or have a fear come up that the you know the online course market is too flooded. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's there's too many courses out there, and that you know that's no longer a, a sustainable business or, or business model. And um, I think I know probably what your answer is going to be, but I just just <laughs> like to put yeah. that out there to see what you have to say for the listeners. Oh man, I have so many answers to this one. Yeah, I think the first one is maybe you might need to take a good look at your content. Is your course desired by other people? And I gave examples earlier about making sure you're targeting maybe a business that might be a strategy instead of showing people how to match paint for their home, which I don't know if anybody's going to pay for that because it's free on YouTube, but how to grow their business by knowing that knowledge, you'll still find a niche. I mean, there are people that have the smallest niches. Like there's a lady who won this photography contest and there's only 1500 possible people every year that could get her course. And she makes six figures teaching how to win that specific contest. And I think that's the more important thing is, do people want this content? Can you do it better? Can you solve it? And sometimes it's just your perspective. People are going to like who you are and they're going to want to learn from you. That's that's the first thing. And then the next thing is, yes, there are too many courses, too many people copying each other, too many people like, oh, I could do this or I'll do the exact same thing. That is very true. And then my last one is, maybe you don't start with the course. Maybe you help someone one-on-one, like I was saying, maybe it's through consulting or maybe it is some kind of simple way to coach other people. Just like the guy who did range of motion for a long time, he just helped people one-on-one. He went to CrossFit gyms, people would hire him to help work through that pain. And that might be the first step instead of going course first. Cause when I was at Kajabi, I mean, I had drinking the Kool-Aid. It was all about courses. It was the only way to go, but, but that's a big, that's a big elephant to eat right there. First thing. Versus there's so many small things you could do first, which then would allow you to make revenue. Because once you start making money at the thing that you're working on, there's so much, so much energy and like momentum that comes from that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's uh, a way of testing the market, right? So trying it out, uh, trying it in a small way first to test it to make sure there's a demand and then creating a course. But the courses like the ones you're talking about, especially the ones that have been uh, have really uh, a significant amount of success or very niche, you know, yeah. like healing your back or calligraphy or, you know, these ones here. Yeah. Very good. Um, let's see. I think I've been through my list of questions. Um, do you have any other thoughts or tips that you would like to uh, give to the listeners? I would say that if you're listening to this and there's been something in your heart or your mind, you're like, oh, I should do this. Or what about this? If it came up while we were talking, there's probably a reason why that came up. So make sure you write it down and go explore what that means because. I feel like our heart is always trying to talk to us all the time. Did you know that when you're born, your heart beats before your brain has activity? No, I didn't know that. I know. I just heard that the other day at this conference. I was like, that is so cool. So the heart can beat without the mind. So I always feel like the best thoughts come from here. Some people might call that God. They might call that, you know, a lot of things. But what do you feel here? Maybe you should go do that. Maybe you are the next person to go do that course or go run that workshop or write a book about it. I mean, who knows? I would have never thought I would have written a book. There's, there's no way I would have never thought I would have been, been a person that became an influencer in the software space because I went to the conferences forever and I was just the guy in the audience, you know, and then 
I just kept following my heart. And next thing you know, I now have an app, like you said, that's like a household name and online marketing. It's only because I stepped up when I started feeling that, that feeling. Nice. Very cool. What's next for Travis? Well, I am, like I said, I'm working on a new app. It's in the coaching space cool. and it's really, it's business automation for coaches. I have nice, a huge yeah. passion for helping people like I did at Kajabi and, and I really love helping people one-on-one. Um, people like my wife who help, she helps women get out of debt, like building, it's a whole system that'll help run her back in business. And then like for my son, I'm watching him this summer and I'm, he's got this ice hockey coach and I have to text him to schedule it. And then I have to like figure out where he's going to be. Then I got to pay him through Venmo. I'm like, this is ridiculously hard. And so I'm, I'm really digging in deep on the concept of helping the, the coach kind of get started and monetize that. And the crazy thing is I just, the other day someone told me, so you wrote a book called you Inc about teaching and both your parents are teachers. And here I am, I have this great, like insight to this coaching app. And then my, my dad was a coach for years. It's oh, yeah. so weird how, how much things are connected sometimes. Then you're so, going to buy a yeah, farm it's be called... and, then, and then you're going to automate the farming process through software. <laughs> so, so, totally, totally. So be on the lookout. It's going to be called Coach Snap. Um, okay. Right now as we're recording it, there's just a landing page that we have a really cool beta that we're working on. So yeah, it'll be out there soon. When that comes out, let us know because I've got, sure. a, I don't have a huge platform, you know, network of yeah, coaches, yeah. but I've got some friends. I mean, we can put yeah. it out on our Facebook Stay in page. touch. I'll let you test it too. You can be one of the first people to test oh, cool. it out. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. <laughs> All right. Travis, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been really great. It's been fun. And listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.